I mean, it's good to be in God's house today. I'm sure glad you're here. I didn't know if we were going to be able to worship together this morning. A great service last night, great one in the first service. I want to make sure that everyone's got one of these um, flyers about fasting, 21 days of prayer and fasting. It was in your bulletin. I'll reference it in a moment. If you didn't get one, lift your hand. I want everyone to have one. It's got a lot of information that's nowhere else. If you'll just lift your hand now, and Usher will make sure he gives you one. And I want to start the message this morning with a little video from Mark 8, and uh, then we'll be making our way to Luke chapter 9 and Luke 5. So you may take a peek there, but let's start with a little video picking up from last week on a series called I Follow. How many know it's not enough just to believe? The Lord wants us to follow Him. Biblical Christianity begins with believing the right thing about the right person. How many know that's Jesus Christ? But it manifests itself each day by following the right person. How many know that's Christ? And God wants us to believe in Him and to follow Him. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus Himself said these words, If anyone would come after me, let him first deny himself and then take up his cross and do what? Follow me. Or what Jesus is saying is that he wants us to imitate him. He wants us to follow his example, the way that he lived, the way he treated people, the way he dealt with life circumstances. How many know Jesus is to be a mirror image that we're to follow and then to follow what he taught us to do? It's an interesting passage. It's mentioned not only in Luke 9, but Mark chapter 8, Matthew 16. Anytime the Bible mentions a number of times catches my attention because it underscores its importance. Now, last week, if you were here, we talked about just quite simply what it means to follow Christ. Sometimes we make the Christian life a bit more complicated than it is, but simply following Jesus simply means finding out what He wants you to do. This is not hard. It's not ethereal. It's not mystical. You simply read your Bible, and you follow the pathway that it leads you. And if you'll add to that listening to the Holy Spirit, how many know you'll be a follower of Christ? Reading your Bibles, knowing what God would have us to do, and beginning to do it. Well, the first thing, finding out what He wants you to do. The second, and this is not brain surgery, start doing it. Make a choice to begin to do what Jesus said to do. And the third one is the big one. Here's where the problem is, and here's what we'll look at this morning. Let go of anything holding you back. How many know anchors are good if you want to stay where you are, but if you want to go forward, you need to pull the anchor out of the water so you can go in the direction you want to go? Well, that's easy to say on a Sunday morning, isn't it? It's easy to sit here in church and say, I'm going to let go of things holding me back. 
Well, guess what, though? If you have an addiction, if you're addicted to pornography, uh, if you're struggling with some habit, uh, if you can't get out of bed in the morning because of that drastic snooze alarm, you know it's the snooze alarm's fault, and you can't get out of the bed, so you certainly can't pray because you can barely make it to work. How many know you can't follow Jesus? Now, listen, you can't say yes to Jesus until you say no to yourself. I can't follow him until I start telling myself no because I find there's a part of me, that old man, that wants to do what I want to do, and sometimes it's in conflict. So this verse we looked at, I don't know if they can get it back on the screen, but Jesus said if you want to come after me, the first thing you've got to do is deny yourself. Can you say that? Yeah. Deny yourself, and if I'm willing to deny myself, then I am freed to follow him. Now, the big question is, how do we do that? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Luke chapter 5 will be perhaps this morning's text. Luke chapter 5, let's learn this morning from the Bible how to find spiritual strength to say no to myself. How many know if I can say no to that extra cookie, I'm more apt to say no to the person that's hitting on me? Can we get real this morning? If I can say no to lying on my mileage report... If I can say no to that for a couple bucks, I'm more apt to say yes when the Lord wants me to go on a missions trip or yes when I'm to invest some money in the kingdom. How many, know, how many all know it's about what I say no to and what I say yes to? Verse 33, one day some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples, fast and pray. Can you say fast and pray? They fast and pray and they do it regularly. That's interesting. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? A pretty good question there. And Jesus responds this way. He responds with the metaphor of a wedding. And he says, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Now, the wedding guest in this particular passage is you and I. We're followers of Christ. Christ is the groom. And it was a way of saying when Jesus walked on the earth, certainly there were some difficulties, but it was more of a time of celebration. But, but then he said these words. Jesus said, someday the groom will be taken away from them. Now, how many know Christ has been taken away off this earth? He was dead, and then he was not dead. And then, so after the resurrection, he walked on the earth a period of time, and then he was literally taken to heaven. He's now at the right hand of God. And Jesus himself said at that point in time, he says, then they will fast. Now, what in the world was he talking about, and why did he say it was important to us to do? I don't know that I have ever heard, well, a few, but not very many sermons in church on this subject of fasting. Because most, of, most people look at it as with kind of some disdain and, oh, no, and because we like to say yes to ourselves. But I've been kind of getting into this lately. I've been starting to practice this. Before we started our 20-day fast, 21 days actually, I, uh, I'm doing a little bit of a media fast because I find myself almost enjoying or almost a little compulsive or addictive towards talk radio. Uh, I mean, I like, I like some of the speakers. I like what they say. I like to know what's going on in our culture. So uh, I learned how to get the iPod going. So all I have to do is just hit a button and I can listen to whoever I want to. And I felt the Holy Spirit challenge me in that morning time when I'm in the car. I've got about 20 to 30 minutes if I drop Rebecca off or driving to church. Is don't listen to the iPod. Don't turn on the radio. Listen, don't even turn on Christian music. I want you to turn it all off and I want you to let your focus begin to turn towards me a little more. I want you to give some more time for prayer. I want you to just nurture our time together. And I'm finding it's making a difference in my life. I'm finding something fresh is coming in my life. I'm finding it's one little routine, and it was not a bad thing. 
How many know it's not just letting go of some things that are bad, but how many know just making some more time and focus in your life for Christ, following Him, and some good things are happening in my life. So it's not a bummer experience. It's almost an experience that I'm desiring. So we're going to try to explore this morning, what did Jesus mean by it? What is fasting? Why should a Christian fast? I did a uh, study throughout the Bible. I'm going to share with you this morning six reasons why. The first five, very beneficial, but I'm going to go real quick, almost informational. And it's the last one that I'm going to focus on this morning. And that one is this. Fasting helps me say no to myself so I can say yes to Jesus. How many followers of Jesus here? Let me see your hands this morning. Yeah. So if we want to be a more efficient or more effective follower of Christ, there's a door here. So I've titled this morning's message, Denial. Can you say denial? Well, how many know it's the root of it? If I want to follow, I've got to deny myself. I've got to let that old strong man in me, my flesh, I've got to make his voice a little more faint, and I've got to let the voice of the Holy Spirit be more pronounced in me. Look in your Bibles this morning, James chapter 4, verse 8. Now, just real simply, what in the world is fasting? When you, now, how many know your doctor's going to tell you to fast on your annual physical? I hope you get an annual physical, and what do they say before you give blood? Yeah, you got to fast, and I hate it. There's no spiritual thing associated with it. It's just not having breakfast when you go to the doctor or missing lunch and needles and all that vampire stuff. I don't like any of it. But a doctor will tell you if you fast, you know, you'll purge toxins from your body. It's a good thing. And, but I've found, too, if I fast, I'm liable to get a headache because of caffeine or sugar. So the whole experience can be a bummer. But fasting, by definition, means abstaining from food, drink, or pleasure. Some things that my talk radio that may not be bad, but laying something aside to humble your soul. That is to put that voice down, that voice inside you that says, another cookie, another look. That voice inside you that when you know something is about to come on that television that you shouldn't be watching. I mean, understand what I'm talking about. It's just that's not a part of your new life. There's two kind of conflicts. One says, hurry up and hit that express button and get past that. The other says, nobody's here. You're way too quiet on that one this morning. Well, I want the voice that says, hurry up on the express lane to win, and the voice that says, it, you could even freeze frame that on your new little techno gadget. I want that voice to be diminished in my life. But Jesus is not just uh, And here's a big thing. Spiritual fasting also involves setting aside normal activities so you can spend extra time with God. Because here's some things that I know. If all you do is not eat for a day or two or a meal or something like that, if all you do and you don't feel that with some God time where you're praying and seeking after God, all you're going to be is hungry. Now, you may be a little bit physically healthy, but all you're going to be is hungry, and there's no spiritual benefit. In and of itself, listen, people that are starving around the world today, it's a forced fast on them. There's not a lot of spiritual benefit in that. How do you understand what I'm saying? But when it's deliberate, when you are silencing the voice that says, more, more, now, me, my, give it to me, i got to have it, I want it, I, snooze button, sleeping in, laziness, all those kind of things, if you can silence that voice a little bit, you have a whole new dimension to follow Christ. I mean, no, once you get a kite up in the air, all you need is wind to keep it there. Once you get a canoe in the water, all you need is movement in the water to keep you going in the right direction. Well, that's where we want to get ourselves into the place where the Holy Spirit can move us easily as we follow Christ. Now, I want to just for just a second before we get in more Scripture, I want you to look at this little guy just a second because you'll see that there are 
several fasting options. There's a normal fast, which typically when we think of fasting, it's not uh, denying yourself of food and or water for a short period of time. Even in the Bible, you'll see the book of Esther, they went three days without food or water when there was a crisis. Uh, I'm going to do this partial fast uh, uh, where your diet is a little more limited. It's a Daniel fast. Uh, you can just Google on your computer, Google Daniel fast. A lot of neat things will appear. Up, appear. It's Daniel chapter 1. You remember when Daniel was in this foreign country, he said, Hey, listen, I'm not eating the king's delicacies, which is kind of cutting out meats and sweets and kind of the extra foods in life. It's making a place. And also this media fast, which is a big thing where you can hear the voice of God. Now, let me encourage you, it's not just not eating, but you can see we've got some corporate prayer times, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every day of the week that we've got an opportunity where you could join a group of people that are praying, but I hope that you will make a place in your personal life to draw nearer to God. So you've got a window of about two weeks in early January where you can make some changes in your life because pretty soon you'll be back to the rhythms and routines of a new year. Well, how many want to be at a different place spiritually than you were last year? Well, last year might not have been bad, but I want to be in a different place with God. So kind of with that background, let, let's talk about why a Christian should fast. Esther chapter 4, I want to give you six things, and again, the first five are going to go pretty quick. The first one is a big one. It's asking for God's help in a crisis. You ever find yourself in, in, in a time of life to where what you were doing was just not enough? or you were facing something that was bigger than you, you got a report from your doctor. What if the doctor told you the big C is a part of your life? I mean, no, that's an attention getter. What if someone in your life is, is, is gone haywire? What if you're getting fired from your job? What if your company's going bankrupt? How I many know these are big things that happen in life? What if you get rejected from your, your, your college or your graduate school? You don't know what you're going to do. What if you lose your home? You lose your house? I mean, we face things in life that are a crisis. Well, this first one, asking for God's help in a crisis. The Jews, if you know, in the book of Esther, they were about to be annihilated by this madman called Haman. He had received authority to kill all the Jews, but notice their solution, Esther 4.16, go gather all the Jews and do what? Say it with me. Hold a fast on my behalf. Don't eat or drink three days, day or night. And then I and my young women will do what? We'll fast also, and then I'm going to the king. She was the queen, and basically she was saying, before I go and do my part, before I try to solve this problem, I want to do my best to have the power of God in my life. I want God's presence to be in my life, and they fasted. Here's another one, Joel chapter 2, when there's an expressing of remorse over sin. Now, this could be your, your personal sin, but more likely it's maybe someone in your world. Maybe your spouse is going away from God. Maybe, they, maybe they're falling into the world, and they're talking about divorce. Maybe one of your children has just gone haywire. I mean, well, that happens sometimes. Good people raise good kids, but they get out in the world and they begin to make bad choices. You know, Adam and Eve were God's kids and they made some bad choices. Well, what do you do if that's happening? Well, Joel told us it was a call to turn people from sin. But as the prophet, he said, Joel 2.12, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart with what? Fasting, Fasting and weeping and mourning. So whether it's for me personally or someone else, here's the third one. Now, this is a big one. Ezra chapter 8, 21, seeking God's protection from danger. Now, I want you to think about these things. You'll see that there are experiences in the life of believers that were not really discipline-oriented. What I'm talking about this morning, my big point is, is about personal discipline. But you will see a lot of these illustrations are something going on in the outside world when the problem is bigger than my ability to solve it. 
And here's the case. Ezra is afraid. He, there's danger in his life. They're gonna, he's returning with a group of people across the desert. They're going back to their homeland, and they're scared of robbers. Now, if you, let's say if you were called to go to Mexico right now, I want you to imagine just a minute, and I don't mean you're going to get on an airplane and you're going to fly to southern Mexico, but the Lord, for some reason, were to call you to do something in northern Mexico and you would have to drive across the border. Do you know they are killing thousands of people in this drug war? I read just yesterday that I believe it was 14 people, 15, that they found decapitated in Acapulco. I mean, they'd cut their heads off as a part of the drug war. That's pretty violent. Well, what if the Lord called you to go to that city or go through that neighborhood? Can I tell you, it would give you a little bit of a pause to say, I need God's protection on my life. I can't bring my 45 across the border. It's just me. What am I going to do? How am I going to outrun these people? Well, this is what Ezra did in verse 21. He proclaimed a fast. And there at the river Ahava, so we might humble ourselves before God to seek from Him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and our goods. So if you find something in your life that is a foreboding sense of the future, the Bible would teach you that you might set yourself or your family apart in fasting and prayer and seeking God. It's kind of a fortifying thing. Here's another one uh, on a different note, Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, expecting a move of God. Now, in, in the course of human history, what had happened is God had judged the children of Israel. They were in a pagan in Babylon. They were under captivity for 70 years. But God had given a prophecy through the prophet Jeremiah, and he said it was only going to last 70 years. Well, the prophet Daniel, seeking after God, drawing after God, knew that the 70 years was up. But what he did is he just didn't wait. But Daniel 9, 3, I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in what? Yeah. It's like uh, there's kind of a, an upheaval in much of the church today crying out to God for revival, for God to pour out His Spirit. Well, Daniel felt that same thing, and he amplified it with prayer and fasting. Now, here's the last one, Acts chapter 13, verse 2 and 3. Preparing for ministry or confirming God's will. Now, here's the situation. We're early in Acts, Acts 13. The gospel has been primarily a Jewish gospel up to this point. It spilled over a little bit into the rest of the world, the Gentile world, but by and large, it's pretty much a Jewish gospel. Peter has been leading the church. It's the focus of the book of Acts. But now there's about to be a shift. It's a supernatural shift where God is going to bring Paul the apostle on the scene, and he's going to literally take the gospel throughout the Mediterranean world and is responsible for the gospel ultimately coming to America. And you and I here it, it started right here in this Acts 13 prayer meeting. In Acts 13 verse 2, now mind you, there's prophets and teachers that are there, and they're all worshiping the Lord and doing what? Yeah. So what you see a picture here is a serious group of Christians. You know, perhaps you might even call them in today's mixed up world fanatics. Well, in their day, they were normal. Isn't that interesting that what is normal in God's eyes can be considered a fanatic by much of the religious world? But how many know it's the people that are hard after God are the ones that are making marks in the world? I was raised, and it was never said to me this way, but I inferred it in my religious environment, that it's okay to love the Lord with part of your heart, part of the time, and part of your soul, and part of your strength, as opposed to what the Bible says, love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. We'll look at Acts 13 too. They're all worshiping the Lord and fasting, and during this time the Holy Spirit said to them, now, here's something I know. If you're setting yourself apart to God, the Holy Spirit is going to be more apt to speak to you. That's the scripture that we're using for this 21 day of fasting in the church. James 4, 8, draw near to God. Or another translation says, get closer to God, and what will He do? He'll get closer to you. 
So that's what these guys are doing. If you want the Holy Spirit to speak to you, I would suggest to you turn off the noise and give him an opportunity to do that. During this time, the Spirit said, Set apart Barnabas and Saul for the special work that I've chosen to them. And after they had what? Fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them out. So these are just a few, and this is just kind of conversational, this first part of the message. But fasting, you can ask for God's help in a crisis, expressing remorse over the sin of, uh, of the people, seeking God's protection from danger, expecting a move of God, and lastly, preparing for ministry and confirming God's will. I'm amazed at how many people will do something big. They'll get married. They'll start a business. They'll move away. They'll sell their house. They'll make some big change in their life, but they don't get confirmation from God. It's almost kind of a, a casual thing, but here they did it with prayer and fasting. Now, that having been said, it's this sixth one that I want to spend the last few minutes on this, 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 uh, this morning. Fasting helps me say no to myself so I can say yes to Jesus. Now, I'm going to show you a little, a little uh, a cartoon. It's kind of funny, but it's got a picture of this little green monster that's a picture of your flesh. How many know if you're a Christian, you've got two natures that are at work in you? You've got a new nature that's been regenerated, that's been born again. We'll talk about that. But how many know you've still got an old nature in you? Punch your neighbor if you're close to him and say, now listen to this. you still got an old man crawling around in there. And how many know only one can win? You're either going to let the green monster win or your spiritual life is going to be the one that's in control. Take a peek at this and then we'll be in Galatians 5. Give me whatever I wanted. That's because you used to promise me the world. But it was all lies, man. Lies. Maybe I'll just have some yogurt with some granola. Just for old time's sake. Sam? 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 Well, when the lights come up, I want you to look at your neighbors, see if they've got a little green tent to them anywhere. <laughs> Everybody's got the monster. 
I mean, it's in you. I don't care how holy you look here today. There's something probably in your world where you just say yes to all the time. Come on, don't shout me down this morning. There's something where you just about can't say no to. I mean, we live in a world, and there is a struggle between our flesh and our spirit. The New Living Translation in that Galatians 5, it says, Let the Holy Spirit guide your life, and then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. So I'm telling you, it's a yes to God and a no to yourself, or it's a yes to self and a no to God. There's a conflict going on. Are you with me today? Everybody understand what I'm talking about? It's there. It's real. It's all around us. Well, the reason we say no to God is because we can't tell our flesh no. Remember, it's an anchor, and our flesh is holding us back. For example, if you think about things like worldly pleasures, like materialism, you know, there's some people that I know that can't be happy until they have some, the newest, the biggest, the best, and the most. And materialism can make you where you cannot enjoy what you have. And can I tell you, your flesh demands more. You can be so driven by materialism that as soon as you see the sale in the newspaper, you don't need any more of it, but something just makes you go there. It makes you put it on your credit card. It makes you get in trouble with your spouse because, you, because you're trying to look for something. And the old problem is you can't tell yourself no. But it's not just things like materialism, uh, pornography. It just appears in front of you or you go looking for it and you're conflicted inside. You know you shouldn't do it. You know that it's wrong, but something just makes you click the button. It makes you pause. It makes you get the book. It makes you respond to the unsolicited text message. And it's everywhere. I mean, you can just be innocently looking at your email and some girl from somewhere or some guy from somewhere is just up in your face. And it's at that moment, if you're spirit-led and following Jesus, you'll let it go, you'll delete the thing, but if you're, if you're led by your flesh, you'll engage in it. And I'm telling you, the devil wants to be an anchor. He wants to pull you back into the world, and you have got to let the Holy Spirit work this thing in your life, but you've got to cooperate with him by putting down the fleshly nature. It, the Scripture also said these two forces are constantly fighting each other, and you can't carry out your good intentions. When you become a Christian, you get a new nature on the inside. You have a born-again, saved nature, but you still have that old man crucified with Christ, but every once in a while, he wants to come off the cross. Now, they at least said amen to that in the first service. There's other things. Uh, addictions to oversleeping, overeating. Now, you may look at me and you think, well, you're skinny. You don't have a problem. Listen, I can eat with the best of them. I just have high metabolism. That doesn't make me more spiritual than someone that's overweight. Listen, if you can't tell yourself no to put the fork down, you probably won't say yes to the Lord, or you probably won't say no when somebody's hitting on you. You won't say no when somebody angers you and you want to hit them in the face or pull out your pistol and make it worse. Something is missing because we can't tell our flesh no. Desire and willpower, though, are not enough. How many know that? How many know if you could have fixed this area, you'd have already fixed it? I mean, if you could have saw, done your New Year's resolution, it would have happened five years ago. The problem is desire alone and willpower are not enough because the, the, because the green guy is this big and the little Joe in the background, the little spirit's about that tall. Let me tell you how to make the, the spirit guy bigger and green guy littler. Psalms 35, verse 12, fasting weakens the power of the flesh. Psalm 35 said, I humbled my soul with, with fasting when I just simply started to say no to something as simple as no to the podcast. 
No to having lunch. I'm not having lunch today. I'm going to come to the church and I'm going to seek God. Or I'm not having lunch. I'm going to go to my, just sit in my car with my Bible and a notebook and spend some time with God. Yeah, but everybody is going out to the new Mongolian barbecue or everybody is going out to, you know, to, to this place or that place and, and the hamburgers. I can just smell the And the lady says, do you want dessert with after your meal? And you say, yes, and you take all three. <laughs> Why do you do that? I'm telling you, it's because the green guy is this big and your spirit man's that big. Fasting will humble your soul. Psalm 69.10 said, I wept and chastened my soul with fasting. It's something about, Paul said, I discipline my body. He said, I die daily. And if you, my friend, see, we live in an age in America that we're taught to say yes to everything all the time. There's a great article. I don't know if you saw it in the paper this week. A columnist, George Will, he's entitled the article, Modern America Out of Control by Her Own Choice. Now, he quoted a book, and the book, the title of the book was, We've Met the Enemy, Self-Control in an Age of Excess. Now, listen to what he said. He said, Americans' life resembles a giant all-you-can-eat buffet. Calories, credit, sex, intoxicants. And here's his point. We break our New Year's resolutions because we tire of exercising self-control. I don't do what I said I was going to do on January 1st because I don't have the self-control to do it. He's right in the diagnosis of the problem, but he offered me no solution in that article. I'm telling you, the Bible offers you a solution. The Bible says in Galatians that the Holy Spirit will produce some fruit in your life. God will change you on the inside. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace, long-suffering. And you know what another one is? Self-control. Everybody say self-control. And it's not just your desire for willpower, but it's you finding some God power. If you can imagine you're in a dark room and you've got a light with a 100-watt light bulb in it, but all you have is the light and you don't know where the, 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 the light socket is and you can't... What you're doing as a Christian is you're trying to find that source of power so you can plug into it and turn the light on and see again. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit gives you hope today. I don't care what addictive behavior you may have. With the Spirit of God's help, you can get victory over that thing. The Spirit of God in you is greater we teach these, these forms of, uh, these forms of uh, an out-of-control uh, flesh, and they're called dysfunctions. We are dysfunctional people today, and, and we're supposed to be coddled. I read yesterday about the world's heaviest man was suing, I think, the government because nobody stopped him from killing himself. It's like we're, we're, we're a society of victims, and we blame somebody else. I want to tell you, there's a real devil that's behind it. There could be some family curses. But when it push comes to shove, the real problem is the guy in the mirror that I've not learned how to tell him no. I, I, I want what I want when I want it, and i got to have it now. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. But, but the real problem is the person in the mirror, and Jesus himself said, you can't follow me until you... Yeah, until you deny yourself. You won't say yes to me until you say no to yourself. Punch your neighbor and say, now that's good preaching this morning. You won't say yes to Jesus until you say no to yourself. Now, let me wrap this up. We're going to have prayer in just a second. Why in the world should you listen to me this morning? I think about it. Many of you thought, oh, God, I wish I would have sleeped this morning. I wish I'd have stayed home. I wanted to come to church this morning. I'm going to tell you why. You may be asking yourself, well, well, why can't I just do what I want to do? Doesn't God just want me to have fun? Why can't I just do what I feel like doing? 
listen now, why can't I just do what everybody else is doing? Why do I I have to bring this structure and this discipline in my life? I'll tell you why. Because you're not just living for today. You're living for eternity. You're a follower of Jesus because you want to please Him. Because you know there's a promised reward coming in your life. You're someone that has set their eyes on Christ and not themselves. That, my friend, is why you should listen to me just a second. Why you should make a decision today that during this month of January, I'm going to set myself apart to the Lord Jesus a little bit. I'm going to follow him. Let me, let me close here as Pastor Nick plays. Matthew 16, verse 24, it's the scripture we began with. Let me read it in a, in a different translation. Jesus said to his followers, if people want to follow me, and, and notice he didn't just say to the believers. Now, sometimes the Bible refers to us as believers, but most of the time Jesus referred to people as what? Followers. And somehow, in our crazy, mixed-up American world, we have compartmentalized and separated believing and following. That if I just say the prayer, if I just believe the right theology, everything is okay. But Jesus never wanted us or permitted us to divorce belief from behavior. He's looking for us to follow Him. Well, if people want to follow me, they've got to give up the things they want. And that's the root thing. That is the anchor, my will. They must be willing to give up their lives to do what? And you think, well, what a bummer. No, listen, let's go further. Those who want to save their lives, which simply means those who just want to say yes to themselves all the time, you're going to give up true life. You're going to miss it. Those who give up their lives, in other words, those who turn off the radio, those who take some time away from the rigors of life, the regular ordinary things, spending extra time with God, investing their lives into the kingdom, those who live for Him, Jesus said they're going to have true life. Now look at verse 26. It is worthless. Can you say worthless? Worthless to have the whole world if you lose your soul. Now my prayer for every one of you that I know, listen, is this year that you would prosper? This year that, you know... If it's a house that you're wanting to get, that you'd get a house, that you'd finish your education, if that's what it is, that you'd get a raise at work, that you'd get favor, that all these things that you desire, the good thing, the things I desire to give my kids. You, you'll kind of get a kick out of this. My wife tells me I've become a softy in my old age. And especially, well, I don't, with all my kids, I just tend to, you know, if I know they really want it, Now, I might have to negotiate a little bit with them, get a little bit in return, but listen, they know who to hit up for when they want something. And my youngest has an ability to have me pay for everything when she has money in her pocket. That child is making money every day. But why do I do that? It's because I love them. Jesus said the Son of Man will come again with His Father's glory and His angels. I'm telling you, if you're here today, if you're just living for the world and the things in the world, you're wasting your life. I want you to prosper, and I want you to have good things. But you know what? More than that, I want you to have a passionate relationship with God. I can go to heaven riding a bicycle. You understand? I don't don't have to find happiness with a brand-new SUV. I'd rather drive a new one than an old one, everybody said. But there's something more important than the new. I don't want to sell my soul to get the new one. 
Listen, I'm telling you, lady, most people don't know the difference between a zircon and a diamond. I want you to have plenty of diamonds. But I'm telling you, if you've got to sell your soul to get the diamond, it's not worth it. Because when you die, they're just going to fight over it. I, I, I'm just telling you the way life is. The whole world, and some things are beyond your grasp without affecting your spiritual life. Let them go. The Son of Man's coming back with His Father's glory and angels. At that time, the Bible says, He's going to reward you for what you've done. And that's why you should set yourself apart to God as you go into this new year. That's why you should join me in this time of fasting. That's why you should be a follower. Because Jesus has come back and He wants to reward you. And I'm sad to say, there's going to be a lot of people that are not going to be rewarded. But can I tell you, on that day, it's going to make a difference. Listen, when those poor kids are out there doing two-a-days in August and it is hot and it is sweating and they are saying, why am I here? I'll tell you why. It's because those cute little cheerleaders in September, when they're following them out on the field and everybody's going, yay, yay, that's my baby out there. It's like the glory that follows is worth the sacrifice up front. And I am telling you, it is a war just for me to turn the radio off sometimes because I want to see what so-and-so said about something. But I'm just learning to hear my father's opinion on things because most of the stuff they talk about is going to disappear anyway. Come on, give the Lord one last hand today. Now, we're going to close in prayer, but I wonder what the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning. First of all, I would hope you that you would seriously consider joining me in the next 21 days. It may be something you do. Like I said, I'm going to do the Daniel fast, and I'll probably mix in a few days of total fasting. I'm going to do some media fasting, but I'm going to try to get closer to God. I'm going to find some extra times to pray because if all you're doing is not eating, all you're going to get is hungry. But if you will find some times where you can substitute the normal activities of life with spiritual things, it'll make a difference in you. You owe it to yourself and you owe it to your future. Why don't you bow your head just a moment? I wonder if you're here today and you say, well, Pastor, I hear what you're saying, but I, I struggle. That green monster is out of control in my life i got an area that it is just hard for me to say no in. And uh, I need the Holy Spirit to produce some self-control in me because I don't have it to do on my own. I've tried to fight the thing, and I just need God to help me. I, I'm honest enough this morning to say I'm selfish and I struggle, but I want God to help me. I want to surrender afresh to the Lord today, and I, I want God to bring me to a new place. I want God to give me a special grace as I go in this new year because I want to say yes to Him a whole lot more than I say no. I want to get rid of the anchors that have my soul bound, but I know I need God's help. I don't want to be a soulish Christian. I want to be a spiritual Christian. I want to be someone that's not just believing the right things. I want to be someone that's believing and doing, believing and following. But I need God's help to let go of that green monster. I want you to pray for me. Nobody looking around, but I just want you to slip up your hand if that's you right now. You're just simply reaching out to God and saying, God, would you pray for me? I need some help. I need some help with controlling me, controlling my tongue, controlling my attitudes, controlling my passions. Let's all just slip our hands to heaven as just a form of yielding to God and saying, Lord, would you help us today? We ask you today that the power of the Holy Spirit would come to all of us, that you would produce in us self-control, that you would help us to say no to that green monster inside and so that Christ might be glorified. We don't want to fight you. We want to walk with you. We don't want to just be known as a believer. We want to be known as a follower of Jesus Christ. Help us get rid of the anchors in Jesus' name. Thank God. Hey, this was good this morning, wasn't it? 
Take the next step now. Have lunch with us, but pick us up in the morning. We're gonna, here's how we're going to close, and we do this every, every service. In just a minute, we're going to have our prayer team come forward. I'm going to have all of you stand, and the prayer team's going to come forward, and they're going to take whatever time's needed to help you because I know that some of you are here today, and the worship was good. You enjoy that. You got something out of the message, hopefully, but, but there's still some personal thing in your life that you need God to help you with. Can I tell you, prayer is the place. You, you, you place your hand in the hand of another spirit-filled person. You can believe God that something big can happen in your life. And here's what I know. Everybody needs prayer. You don't ever get to a place spiritually where you don't need prayer. Now, you may get so proud that you don't want anybody to know that you need prayer. But every one of us need prayer. And we'll offer prayer to everyone. You don't have to be a member of our church. And uh, you can say as much or as little as you want to say about what you need. But if you need prayer, I want you to come. You may, you may come in just a minute for prayer, and it's not because of a problem. You, you, just, you may want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You may want to find out what God's plan is for your future. You know, you may, you may I don't know what it may be, uh, but, but, but we're going to pray for you. But before we do that this morning, I want to ask this question, that you may be here today, and you've got a bigger issue than just the green guy and, and you know, and, 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 and doing right and wrong and all that. You don't have a relationship with God. You don't know if you were to die today if you'd go to heaven or hell. And I tell you, you need to get that settled today. Something drew you to this church this morning. Something made you, and I guarantee you, it even occurred to me, this would be a good day to stay home. But something inside drew you to church this morning. I would suggest to you that maybe God himself is trying to call you to himself. Now, what I mean by that is the Lord wants a relationship with you. When I was a boy, I went to church because Mom pretty much made me go. But as I got older, I began to realize there was a void in my life. And I tried to fill it with things. I tried to fill it with fun. I tried to fill it with accomplishments. But nothing would ever satisfy. But what satisfies is a relationship with God. I didn't know as a boy that I could receive Christ as my Savior. I just thought you were a pretty good person at the end. They kind of weighed it out. Not true. You have to receive Christ as your Savior. There's a starting point for the Christian life. I am not a Christian because Mom took me to a Methodist church. I'm a Christian because on August 15th, 1976, a Gideon had given me a Bible, and I really heard the truth. I heard that I was a sinner that had sinned against God, and there was grave consequences that awaited on Judgment Day, but that God loved me so much He provided a way out, and His way out was through Jesus Christ. His death on the cross was the payment for my sins, but I had to receive that. I had to, in my life by faith, say, Lord, I believe and then I had to turn my life and follow Christ. And I wonder if you've ever made that step to become a Christian, to become a follower. Maybe you're here today and it's the first time you've heard language like this. I want to tell you, Jesus can change your life if you will offer your life to Him. Maybe you're here and you're a Christian. You made a commitment to Christ in the past, but you got away from God. Didn't mean to do it. You just kind of ended up there. But today is a day you can come back to Christ. I want you to bow your heads right now. And, and I'm going to ask all the Christians in the building now to pray for you. If you're here this morning, and likely there are, there were three, three people last service, two last night. Maybe you're here this morning, and, and, and you're, you, you, you know, I need Christ. And I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of living for myself. I want to ask God to give me a brand new start in life today. I'm going to take the keys to my life and give them to the Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I need your forgiveness. I need a brand new start. If that's you today and you want our prayer, would you just lift your hand this morning? Do it quickly. 
Nobody's going to embarrass you, but if you're here today, I need to get right with Christ. I need to make sure that if I were to die today, yeah, I see your hand. God bless you, buddy. Anybody else today? I need to get right with God today. I need to make this step to Christ. All right, praise the Lord. Why don't you look at me right now? Here's what we're going to do. In just a minute, they're going to sing. Our prayer team is coming. When they're coming, I want to ask you to come and just come and let somebody pray with you. Tell them what you're doing. Let them give you something to help you on the next step of your journey. And uh, we'd just be delighted to pray. Let's go ahead and begin to sing, Pastor Nick. Begin to sing. Why don't you stand with us this morning? And uh, we're going to sing this song through a time or two, and then you'll be free to be dismissed. But as you're standing, our prayer team is coming. And I'm going to ask if you need prayer for anything, you come on up. How you that lifted your hand, come let somebody pray with you. Bring your friend with you if you like. But uh, we'd be honored to pray with you this morning. Come on up, you need prayer this morning. Someone will stand with you. God bless you, and I'll see you in the cafe. I worship you.